BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 108 of the All Dolphins podcast. We are joined today, as you can see on the screen, by our good friend Tom Curran of NBC Sports Boston to talk all things Patriots and maybe perhaps a little Mac Jones slash Tua in there as well. Not sure. Uh, since we have to stay consistent, number eight, honor of Matt Moore, Omar. We all love Matt Moore. Great oh, dude. Who doesn't love Matt Moore? Who doesn't love Matt Moore? Uh, led the Dolphins to a playoff in 2016. I will was the team MVP in 2011. He was. I would argue to you he deserved an opportunity to start, but he never got it just because he was too much of a gunslinger as a quarterback. But Matt, man, I I I I liked Matt's nothing bothered in personality, and it, it fit so well for a quarterback. But it probably drove every coach nuts. Southern California, cool. But the question, the big question is, was he better than Mac Jones is? Sorry, Tom. I had, I had I had to go there. Yeah. Tom, yeah. <laughs> Tom, how are you? Good, buddy. How are you? What's up, Omar? Hey, hey. How how much of a stress or pressure release was last week's win over a very good team for the Patriots? For the Patriots, it was unbelievably immense. I mean, the buzzards are circling here, and they will continue to circle. But I, you know, in preparing for TV show I do today and in reflecting on it, the point I'm going to make is that win to get to two and five for the Patriots was probably more of a gift to their fan base than some of their playoff wins, a lot of their playoff wins, because this was wholly unexpected. This was a team that was having dirt shoveled on it, rightly so. Bill Belichick has lost the team. They have loser's DNA. I shouldn't say he's lost the team. That's not correct. Bill Belichick has lost the faith of the fan base um, to a large extent. I think he's lost the faith of ownership to an extent. And we were embarking on a coaching death watch. And if you look at the way that they were tracking, not just this year, but from last year through 2021, their exit plan for Brady in 2020, and the back half of 2019 even, it's a long stretch of ineptitude that they've shown. And when a street sign says left, they've gone right and they've run into a bridge abutment. So all that considered to beat a what is recognized as an elite team in the AFC generally, to do it after screwing up late and come back to win, all those things together made this win a, a huge life preserver for a team that desperately needed it. Now I, I'm curious. I know Tom, I, I know uh, 
Poupard's going to get in here, but I know we're on this death watch, and and you hinted at he might have lost the locker room, and I, I trust me, I, I, I'm ex, I'm a very I'm a veteran of knowing when a team has yeah. lost confidence in their coaching staff. I've seen it so often, but could this news that he's got this contract extension and everybody who's waiting for his demise, hey, I'm locked up for big money, could that have bought him some time? Well, that's what's interesting about the whole contract situation because I've come to find out that that contract really is not what it's kind of initially being represented as. In terms of long-term, I'm understanding that it's up after 2024. I've had sources tell me that. So it's just through next year. Uh, They don't want him in his walk year. So they've added a year. Now, the verbiage of new that Ian Rappaport has used indicates that either 2023 was ripped up and rewritten to satisfy new or, and I'm starting to put some stock in this because I was told by a a fairly reliable source, but not somebody who I'd go with in 2021, I was told, I think Bill's contract is up after 2022. So there's a a possibility that Bill was coaching last year on the last year of his contract. We never know what his contract situation is. So this new might be the bill got a two-year contract at the beginning of the year, which would in part explain why you can say new and multi-year lucrative. We all understand it's lucrative. But when Robert Kraft, after the season, makes a point of saying, we're going to re-up Gerard Mayo, makes a point of saying how bad we've been and we're going to attack the offensive side of the ball, and makes a point of making it clear that he was the one who chased Bill O'Brien down and brought him aboard. All those things I think that Robert wouldn't have felt as – at liberty to do if Bill was under contract or if Bill wasn't in a position where he was just signing a new one. Robert kind of, what would make Robert puff in a way that he never has before? The fact that Bill might've been working on a contract deal with Robert at that point. And Robert said, here's how it's going to be when we get this new deal done. I'm going to say some things. Or he didn't even have one. So it's interesting. My understanding is, though, it only runs through 2024. But your question about what's the locker room sense, the locker room's just going to hear what basically you guys heard. They're not going to get into wins that go through. They basically know now because either Bill or someone close to him was able to give information that Bill's going to be here this year and into next. So no effing around. What, so what about this notion that there was no way Robert Kraft would, would fire or – part ways with Belichick if he still had a legitimate shot at the Don Shula record that that couldn't that was unfathomable does that still apply or because the Patriots have kind of struggled ever since Brady left that's off the table and Kraft's going to do what he needs to do yeah no Robert Kraft said in March when asked directly about the Shula record we're not about records here we're about wins I'd like to see him accomplish that but we're about wins you could find that sound I'll send it to you if you want because it's an interesting answer And again, my understanding is, and other folks up here have reported it, and there is no barrier that the Crafts wouldn't cross if the Patriots continued to play the way they had in terms of getting rid of Bill Belichick. They're not going to say, okay, it's too much money to fire him. We'll keep him around. This is a $6 billion franchise that has been run aground in many ways. And even though this week we got a tide that lifted it off the rocks, we'll see if they're off the rocks completely beginning this week against Miami. But 
you know, the Patriots are in still, despite what happened for three hours on Sunday, in an abyss. Well, that was going to bring me to, to my next question, if I may, Omar. Um, yeah, yeah, the Patriots came back after Buffalo took a late lead, but the Patriots pretty much kind of controlled that whole game until yeah. Buffalo came back. Uh, was this like a complete aberration, or is maybe are the Patriots actually in a position good. where they can the game? Are the Patriots actually good? Well, um, respectable, actually. I wouldn't go that far. Well, here's the thing, and, and this was the point that I tried to make in the offseason, and we discussed the first time around, which got me in the, the crosshairs, especially when they performed the way they did. I figured that the Bill O'Brien Patriots would be capable, and we saw a team that for 48 minutes against the Eagles outplayed the Eagles, fell behind 16 to nothing because they played like morons early. Then they outplayed Philadelphia for 48 minutes. Fell behind Miami 17 to three, then came back and played kind of outplayed Miami, and then had predictable gaff where he Mostert bust for 48 yards. Good player, great blocking, but you, you know, those are the types of things that can happen to a bad team to cause you to lose. So they lose 24-17. So I'm like, all you got to do is eliminate the stupidity. And then you had just horrendous performances embarrassing performances, fire-worthy performances, if you're not a Hall of Fame coach, in three consecutive games. So what they did against Buffalo is what I think they're capable of being, but is it in their DNA to be dumb? No. And that's yes, not it a- is. Yes, oh, it is. That's, that's not a Patriot team. That's not Buddy, that. Yes, it is. The Patriots were dumb last year. The Patriots were dumb last year. The Patriots have been dumb this year. Look at what happened against the Raiders. When you're flipping the ball backwards over your head at the end of a game that's tied, that's a dumb team. When you have the number of timeouts this team has had to burn, the number of penalties that it incurs, pre-snap penalties. They led the league practically in pre-snap penalties last year. That's a dumb team. They were among the worst coached teams in football for the past two years. They fell behind beginning after Thanksgiving last year, week in and week out, every single week, including to Skylar Thompson and Teddy Bridgewater, including to Colt McCoy, they fell behind those teams. Never mind, the only team they never fell behind was the friggin' Jets. They were outscored 96-9 to in their five losses this year in the first half. 96-9. to That's a dumb team to allow that to happen week in and week out. So suddenly, light dawned on Marblehead, as we like to see up here in Boston. And they got ahead in a game and they closed it up, but they're dumb. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I, 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 Here's the thing. How do you push out a legend? How do you push out? I mean, we've done it down here with Don. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, we had Jimmy Johnson waiting in the wings. I mean, so. And they were still clunky. Yes, and it was still kind of uncomfortable. Did you say hinky? Clunky. I like so, that. I got to turn off my noise. How how do you push out a legend? Um, You just do what Bill would do. Oh. Use the facts. Look at the no, numbers. No emotion, no emotion. Damn. Scoreboard. Bill, scoreboard. You know, you... you moved on from Logan Mankins and Vince Wilfork and Tom Brady and um, litany of players, Teddy Bruschi. No, I didn't really move on for him or Richard Seymour or 
lawyer Malloy, you moved on from all of these guys when the evidence was, was clear. Say it again. Jacoby Myers. Right. Yes. And that wasn't even a clear declining skill situation. Right. I mean, he had still proven what he was, but these West are Welker. players, these Damn. are Hall of Fame players that they were Hall of Fame, borderline Hall of Fame players, or very good all pro and Super Bowl winning players who Bill moved on from when he said, Hmm, is that do I smell a decline? Get him out. And the Patriots have let Bill go through a decline that really has been present since after the 2017 season. In that 2018 season, when they won a Super Bowl, their five losses in going 11-5 and five were all to teams that didn't make the playoffs, including Miami with the miracle in Miami loss to Brian Flores. Was that 18 or 19? Am I talking about my ass? That was 18. Okay, I got it right. So – Come on, Miami's been getting you for every year since the Brady era. Oh, don't, I know. Yeah. Don't underestimate oh, no. us over here. There was Sam Madison and Pat Sertain, man. The vibe in Miami in the early 2000s when it was September and hot and they're playing on the infield, and you're like, something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. And it did. Well, we know what the people are watching for. Uh, we know what they're anxiously anticipating. <laughs> oh, good. It's time to go there. Yeah, it's time to go there. Week two, you had some bold statements about mm, who's the better Alabama quarterback, uh, Mac Jones or Tua Tonga-Vailoa. You know, Tua non primarily. Dolphin fans were a little bit bothered by it. And and I got to say this. When I did look up the stats, because your claim was that Mac Jones was a more accurate quarterback. And by the numbers... Your claim was right at the point of that game. Yeah. But the rest of the argument, a little little sketchy there, a little sketchy. Well, I don't think the whole argument was that he was more accurate. And I'm I'm sure you guys can play it. But it was a component of what I was saying was that Mac is more accurate. And I think that's what made Dolphins fans really recoil and go, well, Mac might be more accurate, but you can't say two is inaccurate. And there were games that I would see where Tua couldn't keep it on the planet. But I think I overstated Tua's inaccuracy in trying to make my point that Mac was accurate. He's not an inaccurate quarterback. Using last year's Pittsburgh game, which the astute Tua non-maniacs were able to say, it was his worst game, you can't use that one. Um, Yeah, fair. But the bigger point that I'm making and the bigger point that's going on this year, and Mike McDaniel almost pushed the podium over last week because of it is, Everything has to do with who you're surrounded by all the time, period, end of story. Whether you're Brock Purdy, whether you're Tua Tungavailoa, whether you're Mac Jones, whether you're Dan Marino and Don Shula, it has to do with who you're surrounded by in terms of how good you're actually going to be and how well you're performing. Eh, Tom Brady wasn't surrounded by very much talent. Well, we're talking about the greatest quarterback of all time, and Dan Marino wasn't surrounded by a defense that was competent. So what did he do? He set every quarterbacking record, but he went to one Super Bowl. Year after year, year after year of team-wide mediocrity down there with with Dan Marino. You're not writing your own team-wide mediocrity. Oh, I know. But that's the thing is Marino's easily one of, in my estimation, seven best quarterbacks to ever play, arguably the greatest passer of all time. 
Yet if you didn't give him a defense, if you didn't give him a running game, if you didn't have a balanced attack, if you had a coach who the was going stale, you weren't going to win and wring from him the talent you needed. So let's get to this year, though. Let's get to this Tua stuff here. Because hey, I, I do, it apology, is apology, Tom. They want apology. I'm they want sorry. Right. I'm sorry that I insinuated that Tua is anything less than a buttonhole accurate passer. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc okay well done tua is extremely accurate mac jones is accurate tua throws with unbelievable anticipation so does mac jones and i'll tell you why because you can't make it in the NFL with an arm like Mac Jones is if you can't be an absolute visionary as to where guys are going to show up. Same to a degree with Tua. Both of those guys have subpar NFL arms. The only way you're going to succeed is if you can say, this guy's going to be there and nobody else can see it but me, and I'm going to drop the ball in there. Watch the Patriots game-winning drive the other day, the rare one for the Patriots with Mac Jones against a good team, and you can see him just throwing to spots these balloons that land in there. But – I think that we all understand you're only as good as the players around you. You're only as good as the protection around you. No, no, no question about that. Well, you... to, a large de- to a large degree. Yeah. All right. So here's, this is cool. And this, this is not downgrading to a, this is simply proving the point in 20. I like yards per attempt. It's the best measure of how good a quarterback is. We can do all kinds of other analytics, air yards, passer rating, efficiency, DVOA, but a really good baseline is yards per attempt. Eight means you're friggin' good. You can look at the Montanos, the Marinos, the Bradys, Josh Allen, and you can look at Tua right now and see yards per attempt is a great indicator of how good a player is. Eight is the number. Eight is great. Seven's real good. Six is starter level. In 2020, Tua had two games where he was over seven yards per attempt and one over eight. 2021, he had six games over seven yards per attempt, two over eight. In 2022, he gets Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle are married up. He had 12 games over seven. He had nine games over eight, which is great quarterbacking. And so far this year, he's got six games over seven, six over eight, great quarterbacking, and three of them are over 10 yards per attempt. So has he become a transcendent quarterback in NFL history because he just got better? Or has he become statistically one of the most ridiculous starts in NFL history because of the coach, because of the 
receivers because of his own friggin' aptitude, not downgrading to his ability either and his toughness. But what was his yard to per attempt the other night when the offensive line was dotted with injuries? It's like under six. Yeah. You're a byproduct of what you got around you. I think Poupard would agree with that argument. I, I, I think I'm going to play Switzerland and then. <laughs> do you, Omar, you don't disagree. Poop. No, I, I don't disagree. Um, I, I've said I, that all along. I've said that all along to, to, a, to a large degree. That, and, and my point has been that Tua is part of a machine that has been operating at a very, very high level. Um, and since there were so many arguments from Dolphin fans and Tua fans in particular in his first couple of years where everything around him wasn't ideal and which is, which explained his subpar numbers. Then if we're going to say that in his first two years, when the numbers aren't there, when the numbers are completely there, it's unfair to just say, well, it's all Tua. Right. And that's that's what Mac Jones is going through now. 2021 Mac Jones played 17 games as a rookie. He had 10 games over seven yards per attempt. He had five games over eight yards per attempt. Tua didn't have, five games over eight yards per attempt until last year total in his career. That's because of the guys around you. Now Dingbat, (laughs) Mac, has two over seven and one over eight. But here's the other interesting thing about this season. The Dolphins have played, as Dolphins fans know, the easiest schedule in the AFC. Oh, and and this is where Omar recoils in horror. What do you want me to do? They got the third easiest schedule in the NFL. They got in with you're gonna have you're gonna have the the identical schedule as well. And we'll see. Okay, but is it identical right now? Because the Patriots have played the hardest schedule in the league. It's the same. You got the the 30, 30, 29th, no, 30th, 32th. You got the 30th hardest schedule in the league with Carolina and the Patriots and a litany of other ass teams on it that you've compiled numbers against, and the Patriots have played good teams. Now, did they embarrass themselves against the, the, the Saints? Yes, they did. But did they beat Buffalo, which Miami couldn't? That's fair. Did they stay more competitive with the Eagles than Miami did? Yeah. Okay, that's fair. So but, but- I'm, I'm not – this is not saying the two is worse than Mac. Mac's worse than two, or the Patriots are in the same boat as Miami right now. None of it. But it's all your roster. We, we would agree. We would agree on that. I mean, I've been a proponent that I think, well, while Tua is the driver of this offense, I think that the offensive line and their improvement is the catalyst for the success the team is having. You have the number one rushing attack. Last mm-hmm. week, they went into the season averaging 70 yards more than the NFL average. That's a byproduct of what the offensive line is doing and some of your speed. Take some pressure off the quarterback. And obviously the quarterback is well protected in the games you've lost against the Buffalo Bills and against the Philadelphia Eagles, two teams that have top five defensive lines and you have not played them at full strength. No Teron Armstead, no Connor Williams. And then you've got a a situation now where you just lost Isaiah Wynn. So, yes, I believe games are won and lost in the trenches. Do I think that Tua can transcend and overcome some of those issues in the trenches? Yes. Um, I think the elite quarterbacks do, but it's only so much you could do it against, especially when your opponent is top-notch in the trenches. You know, it's funny. It's funny you mentioned Isaiah Wynn because I never thought I'd miss Isaiah Wynn. (laughs) And yet you do. And they do because somehow we went from having a below-replacement-level player in Isaiah Wynn 
to cover at right tackle to a traffic cone. They spent they spent six weeks with a traffic cone over there at right tackle until they finally put Mike Wenu over there. And suddenly, holy crap, Mike Wenu, who's a capable player, gets kicked out from guard to tackle. Trent Brown plays like he's engaged in the game, not in general. Cole Strange, back from injury, plays pretty well. David Andrews has a nice game, and they get the Kid City so at the, le- the right guard position, and they actually have a competent offense. So your point is my point. If you don't have an offensive line, all bets are off, and Mac Jones is going to look like a puddle of jello, as will Tua if he were here. Would Miami be what Miami is if Mac Jones was down there? I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I've got too much – I've got too much of this in my recent memory from Mac to think guys would really respond as well as they do to Tua. I think Tua's leadership is top five in the NFL. I just think from a distance, tell me if I'm wrong, I just get the vibe that guys respond to him. Now, I freaking love him. They do. And now. here, people are starting to go out on Mac to a degree. He needed to stop the bleeding. He did, but, but people – in his own locker room in the in their building, we're not actively detesting him, but saying, ah, I'm not sure if this is the guy here. Whereas yeah, the, that body, was not the body him. language, the body language from outside does it doesn't look good with, with Mac Jones and, and Tua just oozes likability. Yeah, you never see Tua. The shit hits the fan for Tua and he'll walk off like this and maybe unsnap his chin strap. He's not walking off going. And that's a that that look at Derek Carr last week. Second Ooh. car mention. Yeah. I mean, it was. I'm watching that game. I'm like, that's vintage Marino stuff. And you're not Dan Marino. <laughs> that's you, Derek Carr. It's a very good point. So, well, Tom, good, we appreciate your time. So, you are ready to say that Tua is better than Mac Jones, correct? Tua's, yeah, Tua's having a better season than Mac Jones. Yeah. You, you didn't say Tua is better than Mac Jones. <laughs> <laughs> What, 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 what was that? <laughs> well done. Yeah, no, definitely in the situation he's in, two is having a better season than Mac Jones is. <laughs> two is a better player in the situation. Yeah. If I was if I was drafting quarterbacks, okay, right now, and Mac Jones and Tua Tunga by Lowe are on the board, I'd take Mac Jones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the injury thing. Yeah. But Stubborn, stubborn. My wife complains about that. And Tom, I think you got a little bit of that in you right now. <laughs> I love Tua. I do. I think he's awesome. And he's fun to watch. And that friggin' team is fun to watch. And it's a lot more fun than the Patriots team is to watch. I just worry about his noggin. That's all. If the noggin wasn't involved, lay up, Tua. It's the noggin if I was starting a team. All right. Well, we appreciate okay. you, Tom, for joining us on Behind Enemy Lines. You can find Tom on Twitter at Tom. Don't bother. Don't bother. Don't get yeah, my yeah. freaking Twitter out. I don't want to hey, hear from him anymore. Hey, you Twitter account on <laughs> his, ma- his mailing address is. <laughs> Tom from NBC Sports Boston. We appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us on Behind Enemy Lines. All right. You guys are great. Have a great rest of the year. Thanks, you Tom. <laughs> Omar, are we continuing or are we done? Yeah, you get, you just sign out, sign out, Tom. All right, boys. See ya. All right. See ya. Okay, well, um, good stuff as always from Tom. Yeah, uh, very interesting uh, perspective. 
Uh, we didn't even get to go into our boy, Mike Gesicki. As I, as I say again, um, I'm, I'm having a bounty on any linebacker who lets Mike Gesicki score on them, who, who gets blocked by Mike Gesicki. No, I'll, I'll take the scoring off because Mike Gesicki is a, is a red zone weapon. But if Mike Gesicki puts a block on you, I'm taking names and I'm writing it down. Yeah, and, and it's interesting, too, that Tom mentioned the right tackle position because I go back to week two, if you remember. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you had, I hate to mention names and single guys out, but I think it was Calvin Anderson. Oof, Dolphins abused him all night. Um, and, and now they would, and then we're obviously it's going to be a little bit of a different ball game. And, and I think that was – no, it was somebody else actually on the safety, the game-clinching safety that the uh, – where Mike Gesicki was involved had first crack at Max Crosby and basically was a complete turnstile. Uh, in that game. And interesting with Gesicki, I don't know if you saw, I'm sure you saw the highlight of his game-winning touchdown, pretty much the exact same spot in the end zone where he scored for the Dolphins at Gillette Stadium in that 2019 finale when the Dolphins shocked the Patriots. Mm. Uh, listen, and we've also got Devontae Parker, who somebody needs to put an APB out on him in, in New England. Um, the question to me is, will this be a game where you get Xavier Howard back and maybe you see a Jalen Ramsey in, in that lineup? So um, I, as we said in yesterday's podcast, I do think that this is the week that Jalen Ramsey plays unless he regresses or suffers a setback. If he looks well and looks good and looks better than Justin Bethel, he's going to be in the lineup. So let's, let's hope that that's the case. If not, put him on ice until Kansas City week. Um, we've also got Javon Holland's situation. He's in concussion protocol. Who steps up and fills in for Javon Holland? It could be a former Texas tandem of Deshaun Elliott and Brandon Jones, former teammates, two close buddies, uh, basically getting 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 the back end of that secondary um, manning the back end of that secondary. So that should be interesting. Are you, uh, you, I know they got a decision to make on Nick Needham on Wednesday. They do. Where are you going on that? Got to create a roster spot. Well, are we not thinking that Isaiah Wynn's going to wind up on IR? Really? Are we really doing that? Yeah. When, when Mike McDaniel says without hesitation, it's weeks, not days. He didn't say it's looking more like weeks than days. He said it's weeks, not days. Um, Damn. So now we got to use up another spot for injury IR to return on, on Isaiah Wynn, but it does create an opening for Nick Needham. Um, boy, they're running out of those IR to return spots. Well, e- either either that or, and sorry to the Joseph family, or Nick Needham gets activated and Kelvin Joseph winds up getting cut and re-signed to the practice squad if he clears waivers, as I would suspect he would. If that- I look... If I look at the bottom of that roster, he's been inactive the last couple of weeks. He's, I believe he's gotten very, very few snaps on defense. I do remember him getting beaten over the top. I believe that was the Buffalo game on one of his very few appearances in the secondary. Um, the Dolphins don't have anything financially invested in him. His contract's not guaranteed. Whatever bonus he got was paid by Dallas. So there's no financial hardship there in cutting him. So to me, I think, yeah, the – Forget Isaiah when who may wind up on IR anyway, but I think your corresponding move if they do activate Nick Needham is Calvin Joseph. Yeah, and you basically have to make it another week without Teron Armstead, who is going to be cleared to begin practicing next week after the Patriots game. He looks fine. Obviously, Mike McDaniel is going to bring him back 
at a respectable pace, but he's been walking around. He's been rehabbing. Um, so more than likely expect him back in Kansas City week, if not the week after that, which also is a buy. So either way, you, you got some time there. Um, so that's it from behind enemy lines here at the All Dolphins podcast. You and sorry, sorry I'm very quickly. For the record, both Omar and I believe Tua is better than Mac Jones. Just yes, wanted, wanted that the, out there in case there was any any doubt. Yeah, we we won't want that twin on smoke. Um, uh, All Dolphins podcast. We are not on audio right now. We are honestly working on a deal. I soon, we soon. will be there soon. Um, and we'll probably be under the name All Dolphins. Um, we're leaving the old name behind, so you know you. Could, but we might transfer the subscription. We'll, we'll figure it out. Um, we're, we're, it's record label stuff. We're working out issues here on on rights and things of that nature. So with Knight, with Chuck Knight, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. I, I'm I'm playing nice right now. Um, <laughs> no, no hanging vanilla ice over the balcony at this present moment. Um, so. All Dolphins podcast, like, hit the little thumb button. That helps us in the algorithm. Subscribe, share, tell a friend, and you can find all our work on alldolphins.com. We got stories about the offensive line, stories about David Long and Javon Holland and their concussion or non-concussion issues. We've got stories about hard knocks, which the Dolphins will apparently begin taping next week during the Germany trip and how it was forced on the organization. Um, and later on today, we'll have a story about Jalen Ramsey and whether this is a wise approach for him to make the return this week. And the weekly power rankings roundup. See where, how far the Dolphins dropped after their loss against the Eagles. I haven't begun compiling it. I'm, I'm going to guess probably neighborhood of five or six around them. They're, they're in a cluster of groups of five and two with Baltimore, Jacksonville, San Francisco. Um, I'm putting I'm putting Baltimore ahead of Miami right now. I am. Oh, after the way they smoked Detroit last on Sunday, I think you have to. Yeah, well, Baltimore, they don't slouch. They don't. They 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 always bring it, and they're one of those teams that they physicality carries. And just like the Bills and the Philadelphia Eagles, they're going to be a problem for you. Um, Although but, we, we should mention, sorry, sorry, I didn't because I, no, I just. No. I just published also the uh, my weekly NFL observations, always as it pertains to the Dolphins, uh, with a focus on their opponents and former players. The Bills just keep taking shots all over the place. We talk about the Dolphins' injury issues. If you want to feel bad for the Dolphins, and certainly not asking anybody to feel bad for the Bills, but they I mean, they're losing key players all over the place, along with the three key players on defense, White, Milano, and Jones. Now they're lo- they've lost Dawson Knox, who's like, going to have wrist surgery, going to be out for a bit. Uh, and then the Chiefs, who the Dolphins play next week, who, by the way, have the seventh-ranked defense in the NFL, uh, lost Nick Bolton, who probably is their best linebacker. Uh, he's, I think he's also got a wrist issue. He's going to be out for a bit as well. Six weeks is a wrist. So um, you can play with a wrist, actually. You can play with a brace. Uh, you can. Well, again, again, depend. Well, you're not playing. Depend again, on the position. Depend on the nature of it. I think, I, I think Knox is having wrist surgery. Uh, okay. So he's going to be out for a bit. Yeah, he can't play with a wrist. No. Well, we thank you for watching AllDolphins.com. Um, again, we will be audio soon. AllDolphins.com, you can find the stories, and you know where to find the podcast right here on YouTube. Like, subscribe, tell a friend. We will see you tomorrow for Wednesday's beginning of Patriots Week.
See you then. Thanks, everyone.